listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Feature Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Feature. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Feature. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the Astros Future Podcast, we'll look at how the Astros have turned things around a bit, discuss some advanced numbers on some of the struggling hitters, and also answer some Twitter questions about the Astros and the minor league system. So we'll go ahead and jump right into segment one here. Um, it feels it, – it, it kind of feels uh, crazy after uh, the last few weeks the way things have gone. I feel like we talked, things were great. The next week we talked, things were terrible. And now we're talking right. again and things are starting to point up again. I know they lost both games in Colorado – uh, which, you know, we can talk about that a little bit, but that's, I mean, that's crazy weather. You don't ever expect to be, you know, especially almost into May to be playing, you know, in, in, in snow like they were in Colorado. So a couple tough games there. But once they moved on from Colorado, they've, they've played really well at home the last three games. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make excuses, but that Colorado series, dude, I mean, it, it was basically a blizzard for one of those games, and the second one was freezing cold temperatures. So, I mean, I realize that, you know, Colorado, they were hitting and mm-hmm. we weren't, but – Man, I mean, that just seemed like more of like an, an anomaly, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's like I said, that's not something you prepare for. And I know they had to go through that as well. But you know, the Astros come home, they they get a, a series against the Angels who were, you know, probably a contender in the, the AL West. And so far, the series has, has looked really good. You know, they started out with that 8-2 win um, where Christian Javier had five shutout innings. I think he struck out nine. Uh, that was the game he started, you know, the first eight batters or first eight outs were all retired via strikeout, which was, I think, the first time they said it was done since, uh, was it Jim Deshays that did it? Yep. Yeah, so yep. really good game for Javier, uh, but also nice to see the basket going, you know, score eight runs. Uh, Bregman and Correa had a couple of good games driving in guys, you know, and that that also kind of uh, was where we started the Correa at the leadoff position uh, experiment, which so far has, uh, has worked out pretty well. Yeah, I know. I know we're going to talk about Correa um, in the leadoff spot a little later on uh, from one of our questions that we got on Twitter. But um, having him there while Altuve has been out, even though it hasn't been every single game, but that's been um, I mean, I really like it. He looks good there. Um, and you know, like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, him in that leadoff position was good. He got it started yesterday with that bomb to left field. Yeah, no, yeah, he's he's got a, a nice approach. He's been, you know, hitting the ball hard. So, yeah, really driving in runs. And, uh, you know, it, I think we've just seen the way that Major League Baseball is going is you, you don't have to have your prototypical, you know, guy who's going to steal a bunch of bases as your leadoff hitter. You just put your best guy up top, especially in the AL where, you know, you're not having a pitcher bat before one of your best hitters. Put your best guy at top. He's going to get the most at bats, you know, uh, to, you know exactly. the way it falls. And then, you know, eventually he's going to have a couple guys on and, and have a chance to do some damage. And, you know, we've seen that where, you know, if you if you run into where Miles Straw and maybe Maldonado or Castro recently, who's been hitting a little bit better, if those guys get on base, now you've got two guys on in front of Correa and Brantley and Bregman. So, yeah, no, it's, it's nice to see him, uh, you know, get going there. And like you mentioned, we'll discuss that a little bit later. But 
Good series so far against Oakland. I mean, against uh, the Angels. The next game, though, another quality start out of Zach Greinke. You know, he goes seven innings, gives up ten hits, but only two runs. And, you know, I think the Astros so far this year, uh, besides today, uh, Lance McCullers had a quality start today. But besides today, I think the Astros had had four quality starts, and all of them were Zach Greinke. Um, if you include yesterday. So he's pitching well, pitching like the ace that, you know, that the Astros need. Um, but the game wasn't looking great. You know, they're down two to nothing going into the seventh inning and Guriel ties it with a two run homer in the seventh. But then you go to the 10th bullpen gives up a couple runs and the Astros work some magic, get a couple, uh, you know, get an infield RBI hit, get another guy on a sack fly. And then Robel Garcia walks off at the 10th. So what, what's your take on that game? Yeah, I mean, it was a fun game to watch, uh, watch the entire thing. And, yeah, towards the end, you're thinking, great, well, this is going to be a, a one of those tough losses. But but like you said, you know, uh, well, first of all, let me just kind of jump in and just say that, you know, it was I, I thought it was going to be a tough loss. You have that ridiculous rule that Manfred started where in the uh, in extra innings, you automatically start with a runner on second base. So we went down by two runs and we ended up winning it. Um, you know, we, we, we won, but. I read where it's the first time that the Astros have come back to win by more than, I'm sorry, where we were down by more than one in extra innings since like the late nineties when King Caminiti <laughs> hit a home run or something like that, that helped us win it in extras. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is an exciting game to see. Uh, I disagree with that rule. I think most of us do, but you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do right now whenever it's part of the rules. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it almost feels like, you know, when you, when a team scores that first run, it feels like that first one or first run, really isn't worth much, right? Like, I mean, obviously, if you're the home team, you don't want to give up that first run. But, like, you go into the bottom of the 10th down one run, and you're like, well, we got a guy on second one, no outs. You know, it's. It, I understand, I guess, where they're trying to come about trying to speed up the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, it just it just feels weird to throw a guy out there for, you know, and, and he didn't get on base. He didn't get a hit. He didn't get walk whatever. But, yeah, nice nice to see another win, a uh, little late inning magic like that, you know, because that's what the Astros really need. You know, they need to have some 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 – Nice, good luck wins. You know, they, they've had a lot of tough losses recently. Well, they respond from that. And on Saturday, they blow out the Angels 16-2. to The bats erupt. You get a homer from Correa, Bregman, Tucker. Brantley's got three doubles. Straw has two doubles. Alvarez drives in four. Um, and, you know, you would think scoring 16 runs would be the he- main headline, but it wasn't. The main headline was Jake Odorizzi retires one batter and ends up leaving with what appeared to be maybe like a forearm strain. I'm not exactly sure what they what they called it yet, which is concerning. His velocity was down by about five miles per hour in his fastball. But then you get Kent Emanuel coming in, making his major league debut, you know, literally the day after his suspension ended, and he throws eight and two-thirds to finish out the game, gives up just two runs on two solo shots. And man, he he looked really he looked really good. He did. He did look really good. And, you know, you and I talked about him, um, you know, after he got suspended last year, I know you and I were talking about him. And one of the things that I said was I forgot we even had him because it had been so long since we drafted him. And it's no disrespect to him. It's just at that point, whenever he was drafted, that kind of started our renaissance in our uh, minor league system of getting it back to prominence, you know, and he was just just kind of there. You know what I mean? But him coming back yesterday in his first game back and essentially threw a, a, a complete game. I mean, he didn't by by textbook standards, but 8.2 innings, less than 100 pitches. My gosh. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better debut. And um, like you said, we beat him by the equivalent of two touchdowns, 16 to two, beat him by 14. But that wasn't even the story. The story is Kent Emanuel. What a heck of a, uh, of a debut he had. Yeah, no, really, man, really good performance for him. And a really, you know, really a, a much needed performance. You know, the Astros bullpen has been has been taxed quite a bit already. You know, you Rizzi goes out after retiring one guy, and you're like, 
here we go, another bullpen game. Well, Emmanuel came right. in, saved the day. Um, you know, didn't walk anybody, only allowed a couple hits, really attacked guys. I think he finished with five strikeouts. Um, really good major league debut, good start for – well, not a start, but good outing for him. Um, and it would be nice to see what he does in the future here as he gets more more uh, more opportunities because in 2019 in, in AAA and in a, a hitter's uh, paradise in the PCL, he actually pitched really well. Fast forward to uh, some spring training this year. He pitched really well in winter league. He was good. And then he had a couple exhibitions against Round Rock and he's big nuts. So he's, he's had good performances when he's been able to, you know, despite the suspension, uh, suspension, he's had good performances when he's been able to pitch over the last couple of years. So um, right. yeah, you mentioned it, you know, he was drafted, I think in like 2013 is eight years ago. It, it's crazy to think right. that, uh, you know, but yeah, nice to, nice to see him come in and really step up and help out the help out the bullpen when we really needed it. And nice to see the bats explode like that because it's, it feels like it's been a while since we've had a really big game where, you know, there wasn't any drama and it was just a nice blowout win for the Astros. Yeah. And one other thing about Kent Emanuel really quick, Jimmy, is I, I read yesterday or the day before um, that he's wearing number zero now uh, because he says that's the number of games he should have been suspended because of that whole situation that he was involved in. Yep. So you, you know he's playing with a chip on his shoulder and it looks to be legit with him, not just all talk. Uh, he is legitimately pissed and he wants to, you know, stick it to the rest of baseball, I guess, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and like, and he, and he, looked, he looked good. He's a lefty throwing, you know, he was throwing 92, 93, nice change up. So yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, the, we've talked about the rotation a bit, you know, and guys who can come up and help. And we've mentioned Kent Emanuel because of how he looked in spring and stuff. But if you get a guy like him coming in and helping bolster the rotation and, you know, putting Luis Garcia, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, putting him more in a bullpen role. Um, I mean, that's, that's really going to help the Astros pitching staff. Yep. Absolutely. And Luis Garcia, again, that's another thing that we're going to be discussing a little later on, but also um, one of our Twitter questions is going to be, um, there's going to be an answer that I'm going to give that's uh, revolving around Luis Garcia. So. Perfect. So, you know, the Astros won those three games. They're playing right now as, as we're talking and they're uh, it's a two to two game. So they, they, they did end up tying it up. Um, but another thing that we want to talk about, and I feel like it's a guy who we just haven't seen pitch that much this year. And I think it's, you know, mainly because the Astros have, struggled they had some they had a lot of blowout wins against Oakland early and then they kind of had a lot of blowout losses and they haven't really had a lot of close games but Ryan Presley has been he's been as advertised as we expected as the closer so far he hasn't had a lot of closing opportunities um, but in you know he's pitched nine innings he struck out 11 and he's only allowed one run so you know the 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 bullpen has been a question mark but we can at least say the guy that you know we wanted to count on coming into this year has been exactly what we wanted him to be absolutely and I know a lot of people were um, kind of disappointed, I guess is the right word. Uh, I mean, not, not you or I, but uh, we saw a lot of disappointment last year from some fans with Presley. But, you know, it's hard to put a lot of stock into anything that happened last year with just the amount of games that were being played. Um, it was it was less than half a season altogether. Just, you know, he's back to the Ryan Presley that we that we knew in 2019. You know, I mean, 2020, while it was there, it was just such an outlier for everything else that's been going on with these guys' careers. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, it's kind of funny as we're talking and, man, poor Lemus Diaz literally just fouled a pitch off of his foot. Trainer comes out and talks to him and then he just got hit by a pitch. So, um, but yeah, Guriel tied it up with a two-run homer. So I, I also put a note in here, just like we mentioned, that I wanted to talk about more about Luis Garcia, who's been really, really good this year. And then sure enough, he gets put in the game today after, uh, after Lance McCullers comes out. But, you know, he had an outing in relief. I don't remember who he relieved. I don't know if it was uh, – I'd have to go back and look at the game. But he went four and a third innings and didn't allow any runs and struck out seven. Um, 
I don't know if that was maybe the Oda Rizzi game. I don't remember, but yeah, it was. Um, but then you know his next start, and this was one I think. Uh, did he, he? I think he started in Colorado, right? He's he went five and two thirds innings, gave up two runs, struck out six. Another nice performance tonight. He or today he's got a scoreless inning, um, and he's a guy I definitely want to see more of. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to to make you know get him into the uh, rotation or maybe use him more in the pen. But you know he's got he's got some good stuff, and he's been able to get big league hitters out. And I kind of feel like you know, the Astros need to need to use him a little bit more right now. And I know he just started and now he's pitching in the pin. So they're, they're trying to work that out, but hopefully we can get to see him uh, pitching some more. Yeah. And I think we're going to see the majority of his, of his appearances out of the pin this year, given the state of the rotation. I mean, as long as our rotation is healthy enough, but I mean, you know, you got Ryan Presley, he's nails, you know, that you can count on him. Ryan Stanek is becoming one of those guys as well. So if, if we could get Luis Garcia out there as well, I think that that's three solid dependable guys that you have at the back end of your bullpen. Um, so, I mean, you can never have enough good pitching and especially in our case where we really could use it in the bullpen. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, so another thing that I put down that I kind of thought was uh, it's it's interesting to me, and, and mainly because we knew the top of the Astros lineup was going to be solid, but the way that they've distributed the run produ- uh, production has been pretty incredible to me. So coming into today, Guriel has now taken the lead, but coming into today, Guriel and Tucker both uh, led the uh, team in RBIs at 13. Alvarez and Bregman have 12 right behind him, and then Correa has 11 right behind him. So, you know, it's nice to see a lineup that has guys spread out through the top seven. And yet, you know, you don't have one guy that's got 20 RBIs and the rest, you know, someone else has six or something. It's nice to see that the Astros have hitters who can drive in runs just like Gurriel did today, no matter where you're hitting at in the lineup. Yeah. It's just like we talked about during that first episode of the season where we knew that our lineup was going to be six to seven deep, depending on what date or what lineup we put in there, man. I mean, we've got guys who, uh, you know, one through six or, you know, sometimes one through seven, any of them can hit 25 bombs over the course of a year, maybe drive in 90 to 100 RBIs. Um, earlier in the game, they were already saying that uh, Kyle Tucker's on pace to, you know, drive in over 100 runs this year. So, and he's not even really hitting the ball as well as he should. And, you yeah. know, that's all going to be regressing back to the mean anyway. And he's going to have a hot streak pretty soon because those balls are going to start falling, you know? But, yep, yeah, yeah, I mean – so he's got a, his, we're going to talk about it, you know, here in the next segment, but his, his batted ball profile looks a lot better than what we're actually seeing out of him so far. Well, just that, 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 uh, what was it? The line drive to right center this morning, this afternoon that Otani robbed him of. I mean, that's a double. I mean, in, uh, nine times out of 10, that's at least a double, but Otani just chased it down and got it. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I think was it uh, yesterday or maybe the day before he came up, you know, bases loaded and, and had a nice shot to right field. And, the, you know, the second baseman was basically playing like 30 feet into right field and had like a little leaping catch, you know, a hit that probably, I think they said had like a, a hit probability of like almost, you know, 800 or something like that. And it ends up getting caught. So yeah, a lot of bad luck for him. And, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So coming right up, we're going to look at some advanced numbers and give some reasons why some of the guys struggling, Kyle Tucker, uh, should be turning around, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So as we were leaving the the last segment, we talked about uh, identifying some guys who the advanced numbers are looking better than their actual numbers, and we talked about Kyle Tucker. Um, but he is the guy that we're really talking about. There's a few that have that. I mean, actually, there's quite a few that that the advanced numbers look better than their actual numbers. But Kyle Tucker's is, man, it's it's really mind boggling. I mean, you 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 know you can look at the numbers on Fangraphs or uh, wherever you want to look at them. 
but you can just watch the game and see he's hitting the ball hard and he's hitting into outs. Right, absolutely. I mean, those are going to start dropping, man. That stuff evens itself out over time. He still has a ton of runs batted in right now. He's he's hitting the ball whenever he needs to. It's just that they're not falling. They're finding gloves. You know, I know it's it's super uh, frustrating to, to, to see that kind of stuff, especially out of somebody that we're looking to, you know, basically replace George Springer in the lineup. While he's mm-hmm. not in that same exact position that George was in center field or at leadoff, you're still basically trading out Springer's bat for his. So whether it's fair or not, people are going to be looking at that kind of comparison. But at the end of the day, man, or really at the end of the season, Kyle Tucker is going to have a good season. He really is. Yeah, no, and like I said, I think if, if you are probably of uh, – most people would believe that, yeah, if you are having bad luck now, eventually that luck is going to turn around and you're going to end up with some better luck. And Kyle Tucker's current – coming into today, Kyle Tucker's batting average is 177. His expected batting average is 288. His slugging percentage is 405, but his expected slugging uh, percentage is 561. And then his weighted on base average is 256, but the expected is 357. And the dude's got a a 145 batting average on balls in play, which is like insanely low, especially for a guy who has some speed like him. He should be above 300. I mean, the the bad luck that this guy has had and – you know, he's taking a lot of heat on it. People are giving him a lot of a lot of crap for not, you know, hitting with runners in scoring position and not, you know, coming through. But, you know, you, you got to give a guy time. And a guy doesn't have, you know, he, he had a good year last year in 60 games. And, you know, and like you mentioned, he's got five homers. He's got 13 RBIs. He's driving in runs. He's just – he's facing a lot of bad luck. And the, the numbers back that up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to give credit where it is. I mean, like he's hitting into the shift a lot. He's hitting where there's fielders. They, they, they're scouting him really well. They're They're – doing what they're supposed to do but at mm-hmm. some point talent's going to overtake that he, he's going to start hitting the ball a lot better um oh i mean not necessarily a lot better but it's just going to start finding gaps instead of gloves he's yeah. still like i said earlier he's still getting the hits whenever he needs to he, he should be he should have a lot more than he has right now but that kind of stuff evens itself out man it's not like he's up there striking out all the time i mean that's one thing that you can't really fix much of whenever it comes to stuff like that but whenever you're making contact and hard contact at that his exit velocity it's going to turn around yeah, so a, a little stat that I saw that I want to point out, I, I, I tweeted it, but it's about barrel. So the people that aren't familiar with what a barrel is, is MLB has assigned that to baseball or batted ball events whose comparable hit types, so in terms of exit velocity and launch angle, have led to a minimum of a 500 batting average and a 1,500 slugging percentage. So obviously a barrel is when you, you strike the ball well. Got a good long, launch angle, good exit velocity. Kyle Tucker has a higher barrel uh, rate than Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Yuli Gurriel already this season. He's, he's got a higher barrel rate than those guys. He's also got a higher hard hit percentage than Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman. Like, you know, the, you look at that and the guys, he's hitting the ball just as well, if not better than a lot of the other hitters. And, you know, the, the, unfortunately, he's just hit into a lot of bad luck. So, you know, I'm always the eternal optimist and I always – you know, want to give people time, but you know, we got to give Kyle Tucker time. He's going to get it straightened out. We're not even out of April yet, you know? And, and even then he's still like, we mentioned, he's still, he's still driving in some runs. He's got five homers, 13 RBIs. He's going to get it turned around. The numbers are going to, they're going to start working out in his favor. Some of those balls that he's crushing are going to start dropping. Yeah. And I mean, look at that two run single that David Fletcher had earlier this afternoon. I mean, it's like one of the lightest hitting balls you probably will ever see that scores two runs off of it. Kyle Tucker had to be out there just shaking his head like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I think it had an exit velocity of 48.5 or something like that, you know. And, yeah, Kyle Tucker sitting here crushing balls and and, and not not getting on base. 
Right. I mean, like like I said earlier, he hit that one to right center and, and Otani just you got to give him props. He just covered so much ground to get up there. I mean, that was at least a double. And based on the trajectory of where the ball was going, had he ricocheted off the uh, center for wall, it was probably going to go back towards the left. And it could have been a triple, but yep. he ends up with an out. Um, yep. But uh, but then you get that guy like David Fletcher with that little single. So, yeah, it's got to be frustrating for him. Yeah, for sure. So but he's not the only guy that's going through some bad luck. I, I went, went and took a look and. Um, if you're a guy that likes those kind of numbers, the expected batting average, well, the Astros have seven starters with a higher expected batting average than their current batting average. So, I mean, you're talking 77% of your lineup is hitting or their batted ball profile is better than what they're currently hitting, you know? So we've seen a right. lot of bad luck hitting, um, from Tucker, from other guys, but man, it really, it's just, it's unfortunately Astros have been plagued by a lot of bad luck and, you know, eventually that's going to start turning around and it's going to look like the Oakland series, you know, when the season started. Yeah. Or like a, a bunch of yesterday's performance too. Which yeah. Is totally okay with us. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I'll take 16 runs every game. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so on the pitching side though, I, I found some stuff that I thought was, that was very interesting. So we know Zach Grinke doesn't have the mid nineties that he used to have, you know, and he's, he's a guy who's got a, really pitch now versus just throw, you know, he's not blowing guys away, but even with the limited stuff that he has now and the way he manipulates his own, he's got the sixth lowest barrel percentage, you know, in, in all of baseball for a minimum of 20 innings pitch. So any for the starters, the sixth lowest barrel percentage and the third lowest average exit velocity. So for a guy who's throwing like 88 to 90 with this fastball, he's got the third lowest average exit velocity of, of any pitcher that's thrown at least 20, 20 innings this year. So better than Jacob deGrom, you know, better than, uh, you know, all these pitchers that are, that are, you know, what people would consider ace, you know, and here's that Grinky still getting it done, you know, but the guy just knows yep. how to pitch. Yeah. I mean, that's Zach Grinky for over a decade. It's been more like what, 13, 14 years. I mean, he's just been consistently great ever since he's, he was in Kansas city, you know, I mean, uh, there's not much else you can say about him. I mean, I honestly, and you know, maybe we'll talk about this as the season goes on. He's a free agent at the end of the season, as is uh, Justin Verlander and, of course, Carlos Correa. So you have to imagine that at least one of those guys is going to be coming back. And like I said, we'll get into that a little later on. But but Zach Greinke, he is still pitching just as good as he was, um, you know, four or five years ago when he signed that huge deal, um, first with L.A. and then again with Arizona. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, and, and at the time of the trade, I, I felt like we gave up. A, a, a hell of a package to go get a pitcher who was 35 years old. But since he's came to the Astros, he's pitched almost the equivalent of a full season now with the end of 19, the short in 2020, and then what he's done so far this year. And he's got a 3.38 ERA. So, you know, we gave up a lot to get him. And I, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's been a couple of years. So those guys are starting to make their way up. I know Bukowskis has just, you know, just got called up not or last week or something like that. Um, but man, he's been at as advertised. He's been the ace so far this year, uh, you know, and the guy that we need to bolster the rotation because outside of him and, you know, Javier's been solid, but he's not going deep into games. But outside of those two guys, really, the rotation has really struggled. Yeah. And I mean, I know Bukowskis was the one guy that you and I were like, oh, man, we had to put him in that trade package, too. I still remember whenever that happened and you and I were. And it's great to get Granky to throw in there with Verlander and Cole. But man, Bukowskis could come back to hurt us. But you never know. He got us to game seven of the World Series. Yep. Um, if we had won a title, we'd be thinking, okay, no big deal at all. But, you know, but you're right. You know, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, he, he, he still just nails, man. I mean, there's not much else you can say about Zach Greinke. He's a future Hall of Famer. Yep. And like I said, the guy that we need to, to, to lead this rotation right now with the injuries we've had, you know, with Verlander and everything. And, and hopefully, you know, McCullers had a good start today, a quality start. So hopefully he will continue to, to hit that trend. You know, he, we signed him 
in the offseason and, and made him one of the highest paid starters on our staff. And it's time for him to step up and be that number two guy in our rotation. So hopefully those guys will, will start getting it sorted out um, and Javier will start getting deeper into games. Um, I would say the arrow is pointing up for the rotation when you start looking at that. And we've seen some of the performances from Garcia. Uh, we haven't really talked about Oda Rizzi and the struggles he's had. And, you know, I know he's, he's coming, you know, he came into the game, you know, the, the uh, we signed him late, you know, in the, in the spring basically. Um, so I know he's really probably still trying to get his, his feet under him. Um, but unfortunately, man, he is just, he has not been, he has not been very good so far. And I know he went out with that injury yesterday and it sounded like Dusty Baker wasn't too concerned, uh, but he's a guy that I actually had a, a lot of high hopes for that I thought was going to come in and be like a quality three or four starter for us. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we were, we were paying him pretty good, uh, gave him a decent deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I hate to judge anything off of, off, you know, just a handful of starts and even just less than that, just three, even if you include yesterday's. But, man, it's just been a disaster so far. Not necessarily disaster in the terms of, like, what, um, you know, like the Jason Jennings trade. Remember that one from 15 oh, yeah. years ago or however long ago? Oh, well, yeah. That was an abject <laughs> failure. But and I'm not saying that that's what this is. It's just on the surface, man, and so far he's just been terrible. And, I mean, it's like you said, though, he, he didn't have much of a spring. We signed him late. He's probably still working his way back. Um, but it, I, you just got to hope that whatever that was that happened yesterday, it's not going to keep him out too long. Yeah, exactly. I think right now we have some depth to, to overcome him, you know, going out for a little bit. Um, but, you know, we need him to, to hopefully get healthy, get back, and, and end up, you know, taking one of those spots in the rotation and giving us somebody who we can count on, you know, as the season goes on late into September and into the playoffs. So in our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, some Twitter questions that we got and also talk a little bit about minor league baseball. And welcome back in here at the Astros Feature Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to take a look at some Twitter questions, give some answers to those and talk a little bit about some minor league baseball. So I asked on Twitter, did anyone have any questions for me and Brian to discuss? And we got a few replies. So the first one from at Turf Burner, he says, how many current relievers outside of Presley and Stanek do you trust in a one-run game in the seventh inning? So we'll both give our answer, but what's your take on that, Brian? Well, as of right now, I mean, I mean, how many do you trust? Um, probably just those two. Uh, I mean, you, you're going to have to trust anybody no matter wh whenever they come in. But Garcia is a guy that – Luis Garcia is a guy who um, I think has that capability to, to have us feel very comfortable about him. Uh, should he move to the bullpen full-time? Same thing with Christian Javier. I don't know if Javier, if their long-term plans for him are to stay in the, um, in the uh, starting uh, rotation or if he is going to be moving to the bullpen. But, I mean, as of now, to answer Turkburner's question, just Presley and Stanek are the ones that I would trust to get the job done most of the time. But I think that we do have a couple of guys, such as Garcia, such as Christian Javier, that, um, that are very capable of doing that as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Unfortunately, the depth in terms of guys that you would trust in a one-run game like that is just not very deep outside of those two guys. You know, um, Joe Smith, Brooks Raley, Blake Taylor, you know, those guys, they, they've struggled. They've been hit around. Abreu had a couple good outings, and then he's been hit around quite a bit his last few times. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a pain right now. We don't have that seventh inning field. We got an eighth and ninth guy. Hopefully one of those guys will step up. Garcia is a guy that I think if, if they decided to use him in like a one inning type role, I'd be interested to see how his stuff plays up versus how, you, you know, how, he, how he's pitching as a starter. Um, but hopefully he'll get yeah. an opportunity, especially if Oda Rizzi comes back and is healthy. Um, and if Ken Emanuel continues to pitch well, well, now you got, you know, seven, eight starters. So a couple of them are going to have to go to the pin and, and hopefully those guys stuff can start playing up when they're pitching in just a, a one inning stint. Yeah. And hopefully we have Framber back at some point as well. 
Yeah, that, that that's and that's a one that's one I keep forgetting, man. If he comes back and, and pitches like he did last year, you know, along with Zach Greinke and McCuller starts getting it going, yeah, you you really start seeing that depth and you start pushing some of those starters into the you know into the bullpen and and hopefully that you could start to gain some trust in those guys so you can you know trust them in the seventh inning in a one run game or whatever. So um, yep. the next question we got was from Travis Road. He says, "How long is Miles Straw going to be around and what are other options?" So I'll go ahead and answer this one first. Um, at this point, I think he's going to be around a while. He's got tools that can play at the major league level. He's obviously extremely fast. Um, I think a lot of people saw him as like a good fifth outfielder guy who could come in, pinch run. I know we've seen him struggle a little bit defensively, take some bad reads on balls, uh, which is weird because he, a knock on him in the minor or it wasn't his defense. It, that was, you know, it, you know, there was no scouting reports that talked about, you know, he's bad defensively or takes bad reads. And you wonder if he's just, He's just kind of struggling right now. The struggles at the plate are kind of leading to the field. Um, I think he's going to be around a while, uh, you know, and, and, and unless he just, you know, if he continues to hit 190, which he's up, I think he's up to like 220 before today. But if he hits 190 and we're into June or July, then the Astros are going to make a move. In, in terms of guys who I think could come up and potentially help, looking at the depth, the, the main guy that I think is Pedro Leon, and, and we have no idea where he's at. You know, we don't know if he's going to start in double A AA or triple A. We don't know if he's going to be on a on a um, a, a progression like Gurriel, where they say he's ready for the pro. So let's just get him 10 games in double A AA and triple A and then get him up. So that's it, it's kind of a toss up right now. But he's probably the top guy to come up if the Astros didn't want to you know, give the full time reps to a Chaz McCormick or a Ronnie Dawson or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, as far as this question where how he says, how long is Straw going to be around and what are the other options? I think he's going to be around, uh, and I define around as on the major league roster. I think he's going to be on the major league roster the whole season. Because mm -hmm. even if he's not hitting and someone takes his job, well, he's a good pinch runner. I mean, they used him in the playoffs two years ago uh, as a pinch runner, strictly as a pinch runner. He has that speed. That is his weapon. So, I mean, he'll be around in that at that, you know, type of role at the very least. But – Man, it's tough throwing a guy out there like that that's struggling so much at the plate. And like you said, I mean, he's taking some bad reads on balls, a couple of which basically ended the game for us because it, it just opened the floodgates for runs to be scored. So, I mean, it it sucks because it's technically it, it's going to be his rookie year. I mean, I know he's not rookie eligible. At least I don't think he is. He may be. But, and he's played in parts of two other seasons in 19 and in 20. But, man – He's just struggling so much, but I just don't see them dropping him down to AAA at all. I think that he'll be up here as a pitch runner. Yeah, no, pitch bat at the very worst. Yep, yeah, yeah, but I'm with you. I think, like like you said, his speed is a reason to keep him on the roster um, unless, you know, even if a Pedro Leon comes up and, and is killing the ball, you might as well keep, you know, uh, a straw around for, for those reasons. So another yep. question we got was from Brent. He asked, the you know, thoughts on living, uh, leaving Correa in the leadoff spot with Altuve when he comes back. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and answer that one first, Brian. Um, I, I would I would move Altuve back to the leadoff spot um, just because he's got a lot of uh, history there. I know that for the most part, George was there forever for us, but Altuve hit leadoff before George got put into that. Altuve's been hitting leadoff uh, so far this season. I would just leave him there. He's probably our best pure hitter on the team. I know some would say Bregman, but – Altuve is capable of getting like legit a single, double, triple home run at any point in any game and any at bat. So I would leave Altuve in the leadoff spot, but I do think that the fact that the, you know, the positives that we've seen from Correa in the leadoff spot just speak to how good he is. And that, you know, if Correa, I'm sorry, if Altuve um, needs a day off or whatever, we can always just throw Correa in the leadoff spot and we'll miss a beat. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I would I would end up still hitting Correa in a spot to to drive in runs, you know, that fourth, fifth, sixth spot and, and keep Altuve up top. And Altuve, you know, he started out the season well. He he's hitting 318 as a leadoff hitter. Uh Correa's five for 15 in, with a home run four RBI so far as a leadoff hitter. But um yeah, I think the easy play is is, is leave Altuve where he's at. You know, if you want to move Correa up to a cleanup spot and, you know, and that's the joy of the Astros roster right now, especially with a guy like Guriel hitting is, you know, Guriel's on fire. You almost want him to hit third or fourth, but do you, do you bump Bregman down? Do you bump Alvarez down? Do you bump Correa down? You know, there's, I mean, you know, to have a guy like Guriel who's hitting like he is, you know, and hitting sixth in your lineup or seventh in your lineup is, I mean, it's really crazy. So that's just the, the you know, the fortunate uh, thing that the Astros have going is that they have a very deep lineup. So if Altuve hits one and Correa hits five, you got great guys in between, even guys hitting behind Correa. So I would leave him uh, or go ahead and leave Altuve in the leadoff spot as well. Um, but either way, it feels like Dusty Baker probably can't go wrong with where he decides to hit, you know, those top four or five hitters. Right. I agree. I agree. And I mean, it's like you just said, Altuve was playing really well from the leadoff spot uh, before the COVID situation happened. So there's really no reason to bump him from that. Yeah. So we, we talked about Kent Emanuel earlier and, uh, you know, him, him coming up, making his major league debut, throwing eight and two thirds, a, a really great performance for him. Um, something pr- he probably couldn't even have thought of himself. I don't think many people would think their major league debut is going to come one out in the first inning and then they're going to have a complete game or, a, you know, complete the game, um, you know, in their major league debut and go eight and two thirds innings. So, yeah, really good performance for him. But I think that just illustrates – the depth that the Astros have on, on, in, in their, in their system still. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about some of these top guys and a Tyler Ivy um, and other pitchers who could come up and help. And here's Ken Emanuel comes up, goes eight and two thirds innings and, you know, and gives us a phenomenal performance. We got Peter Solomon who came up, had, uh, had some uh, outings look pretty solid. So I think that just illustrates the, the depth that the Astros still have in the system that, you know, they may not have those top hundred prospects that people love to see, but we have guys, especially pitchers who are ready to come up and contribute. Yeah, absolutely. We've got those solid starters that are going to eat some innings for you. They're going to give you some good results, uh, put you in a position to win. I mean, it's like you said, you, you couldn't have scripted uh, yesterday any better for Kent Emanuel. It sucks that the situation, you know, that happened that made him have to get thrust into that game. But I mean, gosh, he probably only warmed up for what, 15, 20 minutes. And then he just goes into the game. And like I said earlier, for all intents and purposes, through a complete game. Um, it was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, he looks to, to hopefully, I mean, he's going to get more starts because Oda Rizzi, it's not like he's just missing that start. He's mm-hmm. going to miss some time. I don't know if the Astros are going to come out and say much, but, He's going to miss some time, but at the same time, man, if we don't lose that much of a beat with Kent Emanuel, that would be amazing. And like you said, we've talked about Tyler Ivey. There's other guys, Peter Solomon, um, that, that we have on the cusp that could come up and have some spot starts. And if they take advantage of it, you know, they can become mainstays. Look what Framber did a few years ago, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's funny that I think Kent Emanuel said, you know, he just sat down in the bullpen and cracked open a coffee. I'm assuming some kind of like maybe espresso in a can type of thing. And they told him, hey, you need to go ahead and start warming up. You're about, about to go in. And that's, you know, it's like, um, you know, if you are if you know you're scheduled to start in three days, you know, the butterfly is probably already starting. You're trying to figure out how you're going to – you can't sleep the night before. That's probably an ideal situation to get thrown into. Is like, I mean, you didn't even get a chance to finish your coffee, and they're telling you to warm up. So you don't have time to think about the nerves and think about what you're going to do and all this. You warm up and go out there and just start pitching, and that's what he's able to do. So, unfortunately, we did get some really, uh, really bad news this week. And it was about Jeremy Pena uh, at one of the Astros top prospect, the, the top prospect by my, in my opinion, in the system, um, you know, a shortstop phenomenal defensively 
you know, hidden is on the rise. A guy who's going to be in triple a probably this year. And it, it is close to making a contribution. Unfortunately broke his wrist. And he's going to be out five months of wrist surgery. So this is, man, it's a, it's a killer for him. Cause you know, you got to feel for him. He missed 2020 because of the COVID situation and all that stuff. And a guy who was probably right up there about, you know, to start making some top hundred lists and he missed the season. And then now he breaks his wrist and he's out for probably the majority of the season. Um, I, I don't know if I doubt the Astros to try to rush and bring him back for any, any reason, but I, I also hope that this doesn't affect his power moving forward. Cause I know when guys have those wrist injuries and things like that, the hand injuries, it sometimes does affect their, affect their power moving forward. And it takes them a while to get that back. So Man, it really unfortunate for the system. We're already, you know, lacking some top prospects, and now our top position prospect is going to be out for pretty much all of 2021. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's five months. It's basically the whole season, unless he just has like an amazing rehab or something like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, the first thing I thought of was, man, that really just sucks because given the uncertainty around Correa's future here, Jeremy Pena, mm -hmm. who is our top our top position prospect, like you said, I mean, that's likely going to be Correa's replacement. If not next year, then then definitely within a few years. Um, I mean, we could we could discuss whether or not they're going to move, you know, Bregman over to short or whatever mm -hmm. if that time comes. But the first thing I thought was, man, that's just another lost year of uh, of progression for him, yep. especially if if we lose Correa to free agency. I mean, that's that's a guy that it was probably I in that position if if Correa does move on, and it just it sucks for Jeremy Pena. It sucks for the Astros. Um, but yeah, given that uncertainty with Carlos Correa and his future here, that's the first thing I thought of was just how much that really sucks that we're not going to get to see a full year out of him this year at the minor league level. Yeah, because if he goes into triple A and you know and it hits, you know, tears the cover off the ball and hits well and prob maybe he gets a September call up, uh, you know, and and he gets a little bit of time in the you know the majors and and, and plays well, it's gonna affect the decision of, of Jim Crane and you know James Clip moving forward is do we sign Carlos Correa if we have a top prospect? who's destroying the ball and he's ready to take over at shortstop. So yeah, that's, well, yeah. um, it's yeah. unfortunate for the, it's unfortunate for the, the future of the team because yeah, you don't get eyes on one of these guys right now. Um, but hopefully he'll have a, a nice rehab, good surgery, come back and, and, you know, really get rolling next year. So, you know, we, we've talked about the minors, but next week our, our podcast is really going to be minor league heavy. And the reason that is that the Astros first will, any minor league game, but the first minor league baseball game is, is next Tuesday. So about nine days away, that'll be the first minor league baseball game since 2019. I'm, I'm super excited to actually just sit down, log into MILB.TV and watch some freaking minor league baseball. So next week, we're going to really be talking about the minors. The hope is to get a player on, uh, do like a minor league preview show, look at or players to watch, who's where, what prospects to watch this season, who could potentially break out. I know we kind of talked about that some already through the episodes, but Next, next week, we're really going to plan on, on focusing on that. And then moving forward, the, the episodes will start, you know, we'll start discussing more minors because we're going we're to have, you know, things to watch. We're going to have some, uh, some, some actual numbers to look at, some video to look at some of these prospects. So super excited that next week we'll, we'll get a, a minor league preview and then finally get minor league baseball back. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I mean, last year we lost the whole season. We still got some guys. 2019, our first round pick, Corey Lee. We got Pedro Leon this past offseason. There's some guys to watch, man. I mean, yeah. I know it sucks that Jeremy Pena got hurt, but um, there are other guys to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever <laughs> you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast. 
covering your Astros in the minor league system.